Welcome to the 291st episode of the Jamie Delaney Plant-Based Wellness Podcast. My name is Jamie Delaney and I'm your host. I'm a plant-based cardiologist and endurance athlete living in Southwest Florida. Welcome and thank you for listening. Well, you know, not everything goes as planned. This is the weekend for our 50-mile race. It's not going to happen uh, for a couple reasons. Um, Michael's mother fell and broke her hip. Family takes priority. So we have to take, uh, stay and make sure that she's doing well in rehab. And the other turn of events that came about is that it's going to be like uh, 20 degrees in Huntsville, Texas. So I'm not really interested in 11 hours out in 20 degree weather. So uh, between the two, uh, we're going to call it and uh, look forward to the marathon in March and the 50K in April. So training continues. Um, Interestingly, yesterday I took a bit of a tumble. Uh, we were running and talking and we run before light and we're running sidewalk that we always do that's a little uneven and you know when you don't pay attention I caught my foot and did a um, pretty good right knee left knee hand shoulder rib uh, little incident finished another four miles probably after that but you know how things go you start to stiffen up a little bit so today my Right knee is a little bit uh, stiff, mainly bruised. Bruised right knee, bruised uh, left ribs is what I can say that I'm left with. Uh, Walked today, felt fine. Just today was going to be an easy day anyway, and I'll uh, run longer tomorrow. So that's uh, kind of where we're at. So a little disappointing on not being able to, you know, toe the line for the 50-miler. Um, you know, COVID hit, it and hit us in at Christmas and then felt like I came back from that and was pretty good shape. But, you know, uh, we keep lining up and keep training and, um, you know, we'll, we'll get there. So again, better to be safe than to sorry. Family comes first. We would take care of, uh, um, you know, those around us. And again, uh, there's always another race. You know, this is still February, still heart month. Uh, we're coming up on Valentine's Day, another excuse to eat poorly, I guess. Um, but I'll quit with the cynicism right here and there. Um, obviously, if you're going to have chocolate, it should be dark chocolate without milk fat in it. It should be limited. Um, you can make a nice chocolate cake with cacao powder and use applesauce as an ingredient and some flaxseed. So you don't have to get a bakery chocolate cake, and it, it makes more sense. Fruit, top it with just plain fruit, so a really good option. Um, so there's lots of ways to go around uh, Valentine's Day without overindulging. So it's not the day to take your loved one out and try to kill them with high saturated, high saturated uh, fat and cholesterol and steak and yogurt. I saw yesterday on the news somebody was advertising a a bouquet of lobster tails. Um, again, you all wouldn't do that because they're not vegan. Uh, people think that uh, shellfish are, are cool, but they do have a pretty high source of cholesterol, even though it's um, uh, somewhat more um, plant-based and derived. But uh, nevertheless, high cholesterol, high saturated fat, and high contaminants. So stay away from the lobster this Valentine's Day if you um, care about you or yourself and, and your loved one. And speaking of that, you can't outrun a bad diet. You can't outrun cholesterol. Um, there's so many people, if you go to a marathon, you see all these people lining up 
And a lot of them don't look very healthy. They put, I'm going to run a marathon on my bucket list and I want to complete a marathon and, you know, that'll be great. And um, sometimes it's life changing for people. It leads to one race after another and they really get fit and they change their diet. Um, A lot of times it's uh, one and done, check the bucket list. And a lot of times it's what can I, what bare minimal uh, preparation can I do to complete this thing? And, you know, they, they slog it in um, any, any way they can. The other thing that happens is when people are running more miles, so if you're running 35 miles a week is probably the minimum you should run if you're going to train for a marathon. Um, people, it's a license to eat more. Uh, appetite increases. So people think they can get away with it. Um, and you can actually, and, and we've demonstrated in our practice, you can actually see the cholesterol go up in somebody training for a marathon. Um, because, again, people think that they need a reward uh, after they've exerted themselves. And, you know, when you think about it, um, going out and doing what you're supposed to really doesn't um, merit a reward in, in, in so many, you know, in, in so much. You know, we all should be going out and exercising every day. And, you know, to think that we need um, high fat, high cholesterol rewards afterwards is probably, um, you know, missing the boat of why we're going out and training anyway. So if somebody's, if you're taking up marathoning to try to live longer and live better, rewarding yourself with high fat um, foods afterwards is, is not going to be your, your, your way around it. And again, you can see people's weight not change a bit while they're running for a marathon, training for a marathon. You can actually see their cholesterol go up. And sometimes, you know, um, depending on what age you are when you start training and what your level of cholesterol and baseline lifestyle diseases are, it doesn't take much to get you back into trouble. Um, You know, I can reverse diabetes very easily with a plant-based diet without any added oil. Um, You know, so we're talking about a 10% fat diet. Fat that's in food, not fat that you're putting on your food. But the minute somebody goes back to eating high fat, their glucose intolerance comes back. And that's even been demonstrated with professional cyclists that don't have diabetes. If you infuse fat, you can make them glucose intolerant. So no matter how thin you are and how good a shape you are, if you infuse fat and then give somebody a glucose load, they won't be able to absorb it. Um, it the, the fat blocks the fat receptors. So, you know, again, if somebody already has disease, then their ability to tolerate fat um, goes down. So whether it's diabetes or high cholesterol or heart disease, your ability to have an insult is diminished. You know, you're, you're pushed, you know, I, I kind of think when I was young, we went to Niagara Falls for a school trip, you know, and they're right at the edge of the water there. Um, you get back a little bit from the falls, you know, people can, can be in a boat, but you get too close and you, and you go over. So when you're riding, when you're, you know, when your lifestyle diseases are right there on the edge of causing major problems, you can't afford to push your boat too far without going over the edge. And, and just to drive the point home, um, someone brought up to me Mary's Crackers. Now, I'm going to throw Mary's Crackers under the bus. I have no problem with that company at all. Um, but they make that Mary's Be Gone, and people think that Mary's Crackers are great because they don't have any added palm oil or sesame oil or, or um, um, coconut or any other oil, and they just have a 
nuts and seeds. But if you look, they actually have 160 calories for 15 crackers that are regular kind, and 50 of the calories come from fat. So that makes them 31% fat, their original, um, that's their original cracker. They also have 210 milligrams of sodium. Depending on which flavor of crackers you can get, you can get up to 42% fat just with nuts and seeds. So, uh, you know, again, um, sometimes we do the, if you don't look, you don't know, and you can claim ignorance, but if something's in a bag or a box and it's called a cracker, chances are there's some sort of nut, seed, or oil to make them crispy. So you need to flip the package around and read the ingredients, and you also need to, to look at the calorie content, serving size, and calories from fat. And then obviously on the ingredients, if there's something like a biscotti or some sort of cookie, the majority of cookies on the shelf are going to have butter, sugar, eggs, milk in them. So, it, And if you look in the ingredients, the last line, if there's milk or eggs, that's in bold and it's on the bottom. So you can see that really quick. The oil is hidden a lot of times in the ingredient list and scattered out, so it, you have to look a little bit harder. Um, if you look at the serving size, like in spray oils, they may say um, there's no fat, but the serving size is like 0.06 seconds, so nobody actually does a serving size. So you have to be really diligent when you're looking at foods that are packaged both in a box, in a can, and in a bag to actually see what the ingredients are. You know, Brussels sprout puffs rarely have Brussels sprouts in them. And uh, people can justify that the package is green, so the, the contents must be okay. Not so. Along the same lines, I see advertisements all the time for vitamins and supplements that came from far, far away. You know, the island of blank, the sea, you know, in Antarctica, the most pure, pristine place, the spring waters from wherever... And people think that that's going to be better than, you know, the further away it is, the better it must be. You know, if you don't know the geography of where it is, then it must be okay. Uh, Again, if, you know, you were going to hike up into the Himalayas to find an ounce of sea salt and bring it down here in its most pure form, the chances are they're not going to sell it for 50 cents at Walmart. Um, And... Again, just because it's far away doesn't necessarily mean it's good either. So don't be sucked in by supplements that say they're uh, far away or, you know, made from these pristine sources because there's just no real good way to verify it. Um, When I'm looking at my vitamin D and vitamin C, you know, I I, I want it uh, non-genetically modified um, and and vegan uh, are the two big things. And And I want it made in the United States. So I stay away from foreign-made supplements, and uh, I don't want it genetically modified, and I want it vegan. Good news for coffee drinkers out there. There was a new study in the American Heart Association showing that uh, coffee decreases uh, congestive heart failure. This study looked at uh, participants in the Framingham Heart Study, Um, So this has been a study that's been going on since the 70s, 
and um, they looked at um, consumption of you know variety of food, but higher coffee intake was associated to be a risk in uh, heart failure. Um, of note, um, this excludes creamers, sugar, all kinds, you know, frappuccinos, all those other kind of things. So don't run to Starbucks and get the 800 calorie um, vente, whatever. Um, because that negates it. Um, it's actually coffee itself that um, is responsible uh, for the uh, decreased incidence of, of heart failure, or the coffee bean, so to speak. So in these studies, um, they, they looked at people that had drank one or more cups of coffee a day with caffeine. Decaf coffee was not associated and there was actually a decrease in the risk of heart failure by 5 to 12% per cup of coffee each day versus those that didn't drink any coffee. So it had to be more than one cup of coffee. And uh, it was about 30% lower in people that had at least two cups of coffee a day. Of course, people will say, well, what about the caffeine in coffee? And actually, uh, caffeine, you know, is a drug, um, but it also has some um, potential good benefits. Now, obviously, if you drink coffee and you have palpitations um, and, and the extra stimulant is not good for you, you can't tolerate it, and everybody can tolerate everything. But if it doesn't cause a problem, the caffeine doesn't seem to be an issue, and um there may also be an anti-gastric cancer effect from caffeine. And a study was shown that there was actually uh, in vitro, meaning in a cell culture of gastric cancer cells, a apoptosis or a, a, the stimulate, a stimulus to actually destroy cancer cells by the addition of caffeine. Um, and this is by an enzyme, capsaicy uh, and um, caspase, nine and three signaling pathway um, that appear to uh, help destroy cancer cells. The caffeine, um, not only in coffee, but you can get caffeine in tea. People don't realize that, you know, green tea has very little caffeine, has some, but regular other teas have caffeine, uh, obviously not herbal teas. But you can get um, the caffeine and the benefit also in cacao powder. So that's one of the, you know, cacao being um, from the cacao bean. Uh, think bean, think antioxidants. So back to Valentine's Day, if you're using cacao powder, which is a raw, unprocessed powder of the cocoa, the cacao bean, uh, there's still antioxidants. When you process that, you lose some of the antioxidants. You're not going to lose the caffeine, uh, which has some protective events. Um, obviously, most people know that caffeine is a uh, neurostimulator as well as a musculoskeletal stimulator, but it also causes relaxations of smooth muscle um, that are in the you know our organs. So that's why um, you have increased intestinal motility um, and uh, even a diuresis with with coffee is because of the um, the stimulation um, and the relaxation of the smooth muscle. Um, the other thing that caffeine does is it decreases um, cell proliferation. Again, um, not only in uh, or in gastric cancer, but it's also been shown in esophageal cancer, brain, liver, 
it also decreases mTOR, which again, we've talked about in the past, mTOR is a pathway that we know um, in people that live a long time, their mTOR is enzymatic pathway is decreased as opposed to people that mTOR is elevated in prostate cancer and in breast cancer and other cancers. So um, decreasing mTOR is a good thing. Again, caffeine seems to do it. Um, there is also a little association with decreasing in uh, diabetes and islet cell inflammation um, and even a little bit of a regulatory effect on glucose. Again, that is without adding fat to it. So when you're adding creamers, you can add a lot of fat to coffee. And all of the creamers out there have oil in them. So don't say mine doesn't. Um, and even the non-dairy creamers are chemical experiments, so don't even go there. But all of the plant-based creamers are very, very high calorie, but very, very high fat. So it's going to negate all the benefits. So learn to drink your coffee black. Um, the least thing you can do is probably add a little soy milk to it, but try to, you know, try to learn to, to drink your coffee black, um, find a different flavor, um, you know, that, that you might like or a different, you know, a brand that you might like so that you can uh, learn to like coffee and not the sweet stuff that you stick on it. In keeping with heart month and heart disease, women that have gestational diabetes, have been shown, uh, there's a study done in Circulation, uh, which is a heart cardiac journal, February of 2020, to have an increased risk of heart disease um, as noted by a positive calcium score in their 40s. So even if they have gestational diabetes and then they get it, um, their, their glucose goes back down after, after they deliver, they were still found to be at risk. And in fact, they were twice as likely to have a positive calcium scores in their 40, um, even after, uh, again, their glucose goes back to normal. Up to 9% of women have gestational diabetes, and, you know, it's taken fairly lightly. Uh, people have an abnormal uh, glucose tolerance test during their pregnancy, and the doctor says, oh, you know, you got to watch your intake, watch your sugar intake. Um, you know, you shouldn't gain too much weight, but... The you know again with excess of weight comes a decrease in the uptake of glucose because of fat blocking the receptors just like it would in normal diabetes uh, and it and it really is going to lead to problems afterwards. A lot of people don't get their weight off that they gain. It's much more difficult, especially if it's a second or third pregnancy. So it's real important to, to keep a strict, good diet. And you have to remember that you're feeding the baby all during that pregnancy too. So we want good, healthy, um, plant-based food. Going to be good and rich in antioxidants, have all your vitamins and minerals, and not have to have excess, excessive sugar, excessive saturated fat and cholesterol. When women continue to have abnormal glucose after delivery, then the risk of heart disease goes up even more. I found this study very interesting because it would never cross my mind to do a calcium score on women in their 40s um, just to do a calcium score. Um, it's a fairly significant amount of radiation. But with that study, um, it's pretty scary that, you know, again, women have significant disease uh, in their early 40s. You know, traditionally, we're taught that women don't have to worry much about heart disease 
until, you know, after menopause, and then the rates start to catch up with the male counterparts. If women have insulin-dependent diabetes from a young age, then their risk of cardiovascular disease increases at an early age. Um, but, you know, the, to have a positive calcium score is a significant amount of disease. To have that young in life, it's, uh, it's a scary thing. And I think that, um, you know, it's the job of the OB person to, uh, you know, talk nutrition and talk healthy weight gain. I know with Addie, you know, they were okay with her being plant-based, but they weren't particularly fond of her being plant-based and, and didn't understand it. Uh, of course, her weight gain was, was great. Um, she never became anemic. All the things that people worry about with pregnancy and plant-based or being a vegan. Uh, of course, you know, a junk food vegan would, would also carry a bunch of risks for a pregnant woman. So, uh, you know, we, when we talk plant-based, we, we, we really truly mean whole fruits and vegetables, um, beans, whole grains, potatoes, so that, you know, again, all the, the nutrients are, are covered. This week, there was also a, another study looking at eggs. It seems like every year there's an egg fight uh, the egg wars, and a lot of the egg wars are actually sponsored by the egg board um, or somebody that's been sponsored by the food industry. But this uh, recent study out of uh, the American Heart Association looked at um, cardiovascular risk factors with uh, eggs and found that, you know, an egg increases the risk of cardiovascular disease, increases the risk of cholesterol, high cholesterol, um, and that it was not healthy, uh, certainly to go over one egg um, a week. And of course, there was, um, you know, a lot of controversy and they talked about, well, if you look at an egg versus a donut, then an egg would win because an egg has all these vitamins and nutrients. And, and we've talked about that on this podcast before. You know, salmon has a lot of omega-3s and a lot of protein and, you know, it's uh, some nutrients to it, but it also has cholesterol and saturated fat and PCBs, dioxins, and mercury. So it's wrapped in a package that's not healthy. An egg has a lot of vitamins and minerals, but it's wrapped in a package that has cholesterol and fat. It has about 185 milligrams of fat in one egg yolk, five grams of fat in an egg, and it's more than you need. And the problem is that most people eat more than one egg a week because they're eating egg in things. When you're, when you're not worried about eggs, you're not worried about eggs in things. But they looked at the other thing like gluten and um, you know, xanthine um, that are, you know, good for your eyes. And the reality of it is if you look up gluten and the best sources, the top 10 for gluten and um, xanthine are all greens. Spinach is the highest, but mustard greens, collard greens, um, asparagus, um, you know, any spinach we talked about, um, kale, all those, all those regular greens are, are much higher than an egg. Um, even when we look at wheats, durum wheat, uh, einkorn wheat is a very great uh, wheat, ancient grain wheat uh, to make bread out of, very high in those contents. You also find it in asparagus, pumpkins, summer squash. So it, these aren't antioxidants that are hard to find that only you can get them in eggs. 
So when people say, oh, you know, you got to get your lutein because it's good for your eyes, uh, bologna, um, it's certainly no better than bologna. You can get most of it in your greens. And again, when you go back to it, if you're not looking for eggs, because we have a lot of people that are plant-based that, you know, they turn, turn their turn a cheek when it comes to pastries and cookies and things on the shelf. And um, if you've gone to the frozen section, corn products typically have eggs in them as well as dairy. Morning Star can have egg whites in them. But again, all pastries typically have eggs and milk and dairy in them. Um, so that counts. You know, if you look on the back of a box cake mix, it calls for two eggs. You know, you know so if you're getting birthday cake and you're saying, okay, I'm just going to have a piece of birthday cake because it's here in the office, you're getting eggs. If you go to Starbucks and you decide to have their pastries, you're getting eggs. So people have a lot more than one or two eggs a week that are eating or say they're, you know, okay with eggs. So it's a very good um, cholesterol source and a very good source of saturated fat. So don't, don't fool yourself. You need to be diligent. And again, it's highlighted at the bottom of the ingredient list. Contains eggs, contains dairy. Um, so it's, it's pretty easy to, it's not hidden in the, in the ingredients like oil. You can see whether there's eggs in there or not. And avoid them at all costs. In 2020, there was a Harvard study that looked at uh, diabetes uh, and eggs, and there was a marked increase in diabetics who ate an egg, uh, in, in increase in cardiovascular disease. So, again, pregnant person eating eggs, gaining too much weight, setting themselves up for cardiovascular disease later in life. So, you know, replace that breakfast food with a good old-fashioned oatmeal, big bowl of fruit, some chia seeds, flaxseed, um, teff, Teff pancakes, sourdough bread, sourdough pancakes, all kinds of different things you can do except eggs. And, and, you know, people talk about pancakes. If you go out for pancakes, you're getting eggs. So make your own pancakes. There's no reason, no reason at all to have uh, eggs in your pancakes. And I have recently been enjoying uh, pancakes made from my sourdough starter. So instead of discarding the sourdough starter uh, before I make my bread... I keep a little cup of that, and I add a little teff flour, some cinnamon, nutmeg, and ginger to that, and a little soy milk, and a little bit of water, and thin that down and make a nice crepe. Stuff it with fruit. Uh, it's a great breakfast. So it's like, you know, it's a piece of bread that's, that's flat, essentially. But a um, good alternative to a high-fat, um, high-cholesterol pancake with a bunch of butter on it. There's, there's multiple alternatives. Teff is a great uh, ancient grain. It's uh, one of the, the most frequent used grains in Ethiopia, but it's very high in fiber. It's rich in iron, magnesium, antioxidants. Um, has a bit of a nutty, chocolatey flavor. You can add cacao powder to it to give it a little bit of chocolate essence as well. So it makes a great choice for making pancake much, much, much better than um, you know those pancakes that that just make you feel awful after uh, you've eaten them. I am happy to announce that I'll be uh, joining Chef AJ and uh, some other great uh, healthcare leaders in the Truth About Weight Loss. Um, there's going to be 40 people sharing uh, their stories, information. I'm actually doing a cooking demonstration on February 16th. But the series runs February 13th through 21st, so go on over to Chef AJ's um, 
site and check it out. There's a link on our website as well, drdelaney.com, all spelled out. Um, that was a, um, a really great opportunity to be able to share our uh, sushi salad and talk about uh, weight loss with regards to our practice. Addie and I are also going to be doing another Zoom conference March 25th. As promised, uh, we got a lot of uh, feedback here lately about sourdough bread and fermentation. So we're going to be doing a combination of sourdough bread and uh, different meals with fermentation, tempeh, sauerkraut, and so forth, and how it relates to the gut microbiome. And I'm going to be making sourdough bread from the start all the way to the finish. So I'll have uh, I'll show you how to do starter, um, how I mix the bread up, what it looks like after it's been kneaded, uh, what it looks like before it's proofed, what it looks like afterwards, how I score it, bake it, and you'll see a finished loaf of bread. Uh, again, we're also going to have some fermented recipes that we can talk about uh, the gut microbiome. So I think it'll be a real informative conference. We're going to do that March 25th. We're having a veg fest here in uh, Port Charlotte, Punta Gorda. Um, the only thing, if you, if you don't live in the area, separates us is a bridge. But um, it's going to be in Punta Gorda, February 25th. I'll be speaking at that and having a booth. We'll be there. I'll be there with the Diva. We'll have some of our books. So if you live in the Port Charlotte, Punta Gorda area, come over and say hi. And um, we'd love to talk about the practice. And uh, I'll be speaking uh at that event as well. So it's going to be a pretty busy couple of months uh, getting these these things up and going. And again, um, still training, still running. Uh, took a little bit of a, uh, like I said, took a little bit of a tumble, but feeling much better, ready to rock and roll again. It's kind of nice every once in a while to have something like that, that, you know, uh, we call it a bone density uh, type test that you know, uh, instead of getting a bunch of x-rays to see whether your bones are brittle or not, you take a little bit of a fall and you can realize that, you know, you can still take a hit and get back up and, and keep on moving. So that's all great as well. Again, if you have any questions for me, you can go over to uh, drdelaney.com and email me at jamie, J-A-M-I, at drdelaney.com. like to hear from you. Certainly, if you have any questions for the upcoming Zoom conference, the way we'll be doing it, it's just like before. Uh, we'll do a Zoom conference. It'll be live uh, on that day, and then we'll put it up for people to view the recorded version for a week thereafter. And people can, uh, we'll do a Q&A during and a Q&A all that week after if anybody has questions. So uh, if you have any interest in learning to make sourdough bread or, um, you know, you want to learn about the gut microbiome and see how you can incorporate it into your, your lunch and dinner, uh, we'll, we're excited to share that with you. I think... Um, there's a lot of uh, interesting things along that line. You know, we used to think that the colon was nothing but, uh, you know, um, the last the last way out uh, after we couldn't absorb any more food and, you know, fiber just passed on through. But we know our gut microbiome not only controls our immune system largely, but may also control our caloric intake and uh, not so much intake, but how much we absorb. So, uh, depending on your gut microbes, uh, you may actually absorb more calories than somebody that had a different set of, of, of gut microbes. So we'll talk about how to diversify your microbes through your nutrition and how to improve things and uh, pros and cons. And uh, again, all things sourdough bread, so it should be uh, a pretty exciting uh, conference. 
And finally, I'll make one last plea for Valentine's Day. Please make it a healthy heart day. Um, nothing more uh, to celebrate than to have a happy, healthy heart and to share that with people that you love. So have a happy, healthy heart meal. Do some exercise. Go for a walk. Uh, enjoy fresh air. And be safe until next time.